Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC here. So today we're talking about uh, an interesting episode about interspecies reviewers anime discussion. It's a particular anime that is very controversial. Uh, it's considered a borderline hen- hentai. What, anyone that doesn't know what that means, the disclaimer right now is that it has a lot of ranchy uh, sexual endorendos and almost crosses the line to uh, the explicit category of anime, which is the hentai. But it's, it's considered etchy, but it's very borderline, so beware of that. Um, but it does explore a really mature topic, and viewer discretion is advised. No one sh- under 18 should be watching it. Now, that being said, this particular episode is probably going to be light uh, talking about interspecies reviewers for the simple fact that, yes, it has the MA rating. Yes, it can be very controversial because of what's on the screen, but it really dives into good plot design. It's actually a decent watch. It's pretty short, 12 episodes. You know, even though it's it was on Funimation, Funimation took it off, so there is controversy there why they did it. So, let's... Let's go into the uh, controversial banning from Funimation real quick. Careful consideration may determine that this series falls outside of our standards. We have the utmost respect for our creators, so rather than substantially alter the content, we felt taking it down was the most respectful choice. So, when you think about it, we speak of artistic integrity. We often think of people at the mercy of higher powers who wish to compromise their vision in favor of commercial success. So we prevent, preserve the nation's integrity in most extreme cases. The most appealing of these stories involve those who hold the ground and release a product that stands the test of time as a unique example of personal expert expression. In all of this fantasizing, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that a much larger unit can be subject to similar pressures. Therefore, be capable of such an act as well. In the same way that music enthusiasts will remember Mark Hollis for standing up to his label, leading to the release of the genre-defining Spirit of Eden and Laughing Stock without an inch of executive meddling, I feel that Funimation's decision to cancel interspecies reviewers make ripples in the realm of the anime description distributing process for years to come and further cement their place as one of the pillars in the progression propagation of far eastern anime or media in North America. It's worth bearing in mind that their track record has not been exactly consistent through the years. For every licensed product such as The Legend of Galactic Heroes, Paranoia Agent, or Initial D, they also have the audacity to localize thoroughly to subpar material to the likes of Dolly and the Franks, Misk and Miss 
Kobibashi's dragon maid for the sake of profit. At the first glance, Interspecies Reviewer seems to be no better or worse than anime of such when it comes to the prepared perspective audiences of sexual interests, funny jokes, without any of the insightful comedy or legitimate funny jokes of the comedy classics such as Neon Genesis. However, it goes a far amount deeper than this. The show is an attempt to pander to a parathalon poisonous to individuals' perception of interpersonal relationship and involves further debate on the potency of the selection of partners, the core premise after off, his three male characters argue over who is the best girl from a array of mo- women-monster hybrid prostitutes. Interspecies reviews whether or not it's malicious in the intent promotes the codification of female accuracy by implying that anyone can give a rating to such a complex concept as a woman's ability to satisfy a partner's desires. In reality, only I am allowed to make that judgment as the editor of Disorder Reviews. In addition to this, let us not forget the profoundly harmed scene with two of the protagonists upon meeting the third, an angel, said that they want to have sex with the Almighty Father. To Formation's credit, though, they have made an attempt to propagate this work. They have not gone very far. All they have yielded between the start and the end with three subtitle episodes centered at that and a dub of the pilot. Censorship, depending on its se- severity, can be undesirable cons- compromise that only serves to criticism or objectionable, objectionable content. But to, the f- to be fair, it's a blur-out explicit imagery, which a viewer could easily substitute in their mind. Also fear it efficiently demonstrates the company's true priorities less than a month after they had interspecies of videos made available for streaming. They removed it and offered explanations so brilliant that I'm confident I become the standard for anime cancellation. Although one could put into question the self-proclaimed standards given the aforementioned inconsistency in the quality of the works they have licensed, the true Clincher is the claim that season distributing was a preferred alternative to simply altering the content. Not only does it mitigate potential trust issues with creators and production companies, it quells consumer concerns regarding the artistic integrity of the studio and its staff. Never has anyone devised a classier way to say we don't want to censor it, but we don't want to endorse it either. It's certain that Funimation will find themselves face-to-face with content like the likes of interspecies reviewers in the future. The fact that even one Deb episode has made it to release stage is a strange omen, one in which does not bode well for the standard that they believe Japanese animation studios have reached in recent times. For all of Funimation's missteps in the past, this cancellation proves, first and foremost, that they have become expert taste hate makers through more than two decades of experience, long have they outgrown their origins as the attempt to bring Dragon Ball to the United States. They are a studio, even if only a moment, have the integrity, entirety of serial experiments lane and textualized available on YouTube for free, both dub and sub. Now they seem to understand that they are more than able to prevent subpar works from polluting the Western animation. 
as well as the minds of the customers. So, what basically that was describing was the attempt by Funimation to not condone the property that they tried to produce. They didn't try to alter it, but they canceled it altogether. What this means, interspecies reviewers is very controversial in the fact that the content of being mentioned here was in fact very sensitive and maybe not thought-provoking, very lazy story writing. Now, interspecies reviewers does get very ranchy and can go really overboard, but given the, the simple plot and the delicacy of it, it's kind of what the show is about, in a way. I mean, in my personal opinion, I really feel that, yes, maybe having the cancellation of the actual serialization of the show should have been done, but actually canceling it all together and removing it from the catalog, that's a big... Uh, Procreation to the big step instead of just saying, Yeah, due to the extreme controversial, we're not going to continue with this. So they just basically try to trash it away, cover it up, and let it be gone from their animation catalog. That's not the right thing to do, but that's what happened. So, now you know the some of the uh, controversialness of Interspecies viewers. Let's actually talk about what the show is about. Because the show, at its core, is just adventurers really just want to explore the world of brothels and write reviews about the women they encounter. That's really all it is. That's really all it is. They would write the reviews, and in the process of writing the reviews, they get some buzz at the local tavern, ale and eats, to achieve literally the most interesting or thought-provoking review when it comes to whatever brothel at the time that they were reviewing. Now, this is different than reviewing, like, I don't know, products online it's like yeah this is a great product they're literally getting paid for the reviews that they post so every time someone takes it and looks at it they make sales based on that so it's kind of interesting it's like a business yes you know prostitution is being the main issue here but you also have to take an consideration that this is just an anime gone wrong in some areas but it's, it's anime so the type of plot that we're talking about here is kind of what anime is known for the craziest or more cringeworthy 
to the insane. You know, it's a borderline hentai. I'm going to say that. It's a borderline hentai. I do agree. But it's... It's entertaining because it doesn't just have the brothels being the main focus. It's actually the three characters reviewing the people that are encountering into the establishment. There is a story that follows along. Towards the end, the review is done. So that, by that calculation, what you can really expect is... Uh, uh, an overall summary of what their encounter was and the interesting perspective that they're writing about. That's pretty much what the anime is about. 12 episodes, 30 minutes. The episodes, uh, it's a really short animation if you watch it. But further ado, let's do the synopsis and you guys can decide what you like it or not. Countless diverse races from pokey fairies to oozing slimes inhabit the world. Naturally, a melting pot of creatures has a broad and alluring variety of brothels. So many options to choose from, it's hard to decide which succubus gill is a meaningful interpersonal experience. Fortunately, a tight group of brave warriors have come together to enlighten the public. Yes, these adventurers might be perverted, but they take it upon themselves to access the appeal of all types of succubus skills through hands-on research, if necessary. Whether it be the scorchingly hot salamanders or the utterly humongous cowgirls, the arena glass reviewers leave no species behind. So you wonder, it's like, how did this into the limelight. How does Interspecies Reviewers start? Well, let's go to the first episode. This is where prostitution is legal and there are many brothels of those species. Stunk, the human, and Zell, the elf, argue who is better between a 500-year-old elf woman and a 50-year-old human. Asking friends from other species to give them reviews on them, the two soon rescued an angel named Crimavel, making their new friendship of treating him to a cat-girl brothel. As he takes up a job at the Ale and Eats Tavern, Stunk and the others take inspiration from the tavern's owner, May, May Dry, and take out try out a bird woman brothel. Firmly establish themselves as the interspecies reviewers. So, this is how the first episode starts. It's pretty cool because not only do we have the argument over a 500-year-old elf woman and a 50-year-old woman human. This is kind of, I don't know, like a, expect, I don't know. Only interspecies reviewers, when you get such an argument over a half a century old elf and a no a half a half a millennia age elf and half a century age human i don't know like the appeal is it's really hard to decide which one's better in that aspect 
to, at least to them. I'm not having a, uh, an opinion on it because it's a little odd for me to really have an opinion about that. I really don't know, and I don't think I should. Shh. But that's episode one. So yeah, a hot, heavy debate over about elf and human elves. There you go. So we have episode two. Fairies have limits on what they can take. Demons aren't very popular. Minotaur girls are big, bountiful, and boobalicious. Okay. So, here's a synopsis for this particular episode. Stunk and the others check out a fairy brothel, only to discover that the small, the small size means they're limited to each person who can hire them. During a latching campaign, a representative of the demon army asked the reviewers to visit a demon brothel in the hopes of improving the image of demons. However, they get distracted and end up reviewing a Minotaur brothel instead. So we go from angels to a to the demon party uh, campaign election. They want the demon brothel to be visited to get some, I guess, recognition for the demon species, for the demon party election. And then we go to a Minotaur. So... It's a it's an interesting transition. Fairies they have to be sure they get the right fairy. They go with the right person. Then you have the demons trying to get you know like really desperate to get attention. They're using the interspecies reviewers for the brothel to actually get get into the limelight and actually get some popularity out there. And then we have the Minotaur, which is... It's just the Minotaur. You can't really... The Minotaur is just there. It's like... I don't know. It's kind of interesting. You have three and one. And three and one basically leads to... The Minotaur. Instead of the demons. So, this brings on episode three. Um, the groups uh, swap... Means less succubus girls choices and it kind of hurts. But you learn that just what girls feel. So you should just give it a try. So. Episode 3 synopsis. You're deciding to experience what it's like to be women. Yes. Stunk. Zell. Kimaval and Kang Chao all visit gender swap in. Where they take a potion. That transforms them into gills. Each rev each reviewer tries out their new bodies with aff affiliated, you know, prostitutes with varying results. Criminal rises eyebrows when he hires a hyena girl. So this this takes gender bender to a very extreme level. Uh. Instead of the male counterpart that we usually see in the episodes, they are female counterpart, and they get people coming in to 
basically review the give them a different experience and the gender swap in is very unique because it gives you a potion that makes you female instead of the, the it basically makes you the opposite sex and uh criminal the angel getting the hyena the hyena i'm just gonna keep it brief the hyena yes it's a female but it has a certain appendage that kind of makes it borderline male. I'll just go with that. So yeah, it causes lots of controversy because of what hyenas are. You know, I don't want to get too much detail about that because that is an important, important aspect of that particular episode with the hyena. So just know that the hyena, it's a very interesting choice, to say the least. So, what we have is episode four. The savage succubi who has squeezed the light out of you, even if you say you can't go on. The salamander girls have such, you know... Bodies, hearts, souls, and mandos that you just can't help but fire up about them. So, the reviewers go, here's the synopsis. The reviewers discover a back alley brothel that is partly extreme, low due to the deadly nature of the ravenous purebred succubi. Annoying all warnings, Stunk, Zell, and Wolfman Bruce all jump into the fray, quickly coming to regret it. While running an errand in the volcanic region, the reviewers stop by a store where they can eat food off a fiery hot salamander woman. So, alright, so the pure blood succubi, they can, they have lots of stamina, and it's like a horde. They just attack you, and they just don't stop. It is a relentless assault on you, and that's why they regret it. They regret it for the simple fact that they did not read the warnings beforehand. So, here's a good lesson for you guys. If someone, if there's a warning at all to consider... You should probably note that the warning is there because it's actually true, not because it's false. So let's say, for example, you have, oh, a wet floor sign. And they put it in from the bathroom. More than likely, the floor in the bathroom is going to be wet. So the wet floor sign is warning you ahead of time that it is wet. It's a telltale sign what is going to happen if you step onto that floor. So if you slip while the wet floor sign is out, technically the store is not liable because it did the bare minimum to alert you ahead of time about the particular danger awaiting you in the bathroom. So yeah. And then the volcanic region when they run the air in, they just go in the salamander. So they 
see a very sizzling salamander in front of them, and they can't resist it. So, episode five. I want to drown in a psychoclops girl's pretty eye, but it's pretty hard. Speaking of hard, let the pros pick out the perfect mushroom girl for slimy, sticky good time. Okay. So, so in this particular episode, episode 5 synopsis is this. Uh, the reviewers receive an anonymous request to review a Cyclops brothel. They discover that the main selling point is the size of the succubus girl's eyes. Later reviewers go to the mine con, con I, Mine Consonide brothel where the hostess gives them each unique mushroom girl to suit their needs, but struggles with choosing one for Kimvala. That's uh, pretty much what it is. So the attraction of the Cyclops is how big their eye is. It's the size of their eyes. They only have one eye. But, it's very important that the Psychoclops have different features when it comes to one eye. So it's a very good selling point for them. Because they, instead of focusing on height or any other related measure, they just focus on the eye. And the different eye has different results for the men coming there for the Psychoclops. Pretty easy to understand. Mushroom gets kind of interesting. Uh, that's a particular, I guess, species I didn't think they would try. And of course, Camel is hard to find because being gender fluid, male and female. So, hey, sometimes you just get the hard, beggars can't be choosers. So, episode six. Ah, you can build the perfect golem girl, but you can't let the girl you base her off find out. Come to the land of dreams on the light of the will of the wisp. So, this is about 22, 33 minutes. So, the synopsis for episode six is pretty simple. Deciding to choose whether species comes from the door the reviewers wind up going to a golem brothel where they have to build their designer partner from various parts. They all end up modeling the golems after mid my dry, promoting swift punishment for the real my dry when she finds out later the reviewers go to a will of the west brothel where the by girls are so bright they have to share the same room Leading to very mixed reactions. Alright. So. It's kind of interesting in this. Because you got the golems. And you also got the will of the wisp. And it's. Uh, particularly interesting. For the simple fact. That. My dry is the. 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 Tavern owner of All and Eats. So Madre gets mad 
when she finds out. So the will of the wisp waffle, they're so bright that they have to share this, the same room. Isn't that kind of weird? You get a nightlight for a girlfriend, and they bright up the night. You have to be in the same room because who knows? You get very mixed reactions because one, they're super bright, and two, you're in the same room. So that can be uncomfortable for anyone, especially dating or other adventures. So that's episode six. And then we get to uh, episode seven. The game gets laid at the egg, extravagant egg-laying show. Miss Madra's deep, dark secret uncovered, and the succubi girl popularity is unveiled. So a lot happens in this particular episode. Uh, as Madra deals with having to lay eggs, the reviewers go to an establishment where they watch succubi girl lay eggs and bid on them which only ends up appealing to a handful of species. Later, Miss Sue, the human succubi, announces which succubi girl is the most popular among the humans. Alright, so, Madri is a uh, bird-like creature, so that's kind of what her species are. Um, Like a, maybe a harpy, something like that. And this gets a little weird. You know, they lay eggs, and the eggs go on auction. And, yeah, we have the the human succubi gill with the most popular succubi gill contest. So, there you go. You got egg laying, and you got popular, the most popular species among the humans. So, episode 8. It's pretty interesting. Um, Succubi Girl role play will get you going all night. The Angel's Holy Lance is great at lancing holes. Uh, the Succubi's Tower lasts forever, but you and your Mayo won't. So, the for episode 8 synopsis, the reviewers visit an establishment center of role play. Well, Krimavail has trouble handling the subject matter. Well, Kan Chow has gripes about the acting. To prepare for a long quest, the game visit the Succubi's Tower, where they have where they have real Succubi take them from any form they, re they request, but with the catch that they leave their customers completely drained for days on end. So yeah, this uh, the acting gets kind of interesting. <laughs> you can't, I mean, with acting, to be honest, you kind of have to wing it, you know. Not everyone can be perfect at acting for the simple fact that it can get a little dicey if you don't know what you're doing. And, yeah, you know, you can complain about the acting. And the subject matter can sometimes be a concern, especially if you want, you have a kissing scene. That can be particularly uncomfortable and there's usually people on staff to help you with that so that's what I call an intimate intimacy coach to protect the actors involved in the scenes that require intimate scenes so episode nine 
A deep, dark something lies between the living and the dead. The darling angel lo lotion explosion and the uncouth, unsanctioned review of rivals are end of scene. So, episode 9 synopsis. Omega delivery to Count Delevo, the vampire. Stunk, Zell, and Bruce are introduced to an undead brothel, offering everything from zombies to vampires. Back at home, Criminal visits a magical slime brothel by himself. Later, the game discovers some reviews written by a different group of reviewers, including one of the lesbian joint by a female film director named Bina Banana. Learning of an establishment that got a perfect score by all four reviewers, Stunk and the others begin traveling towards the magic metropolis to try it for themselves. A lot has happened with this one. I'm not going to lie. We have vampires, Count Davalil, you know, we have undead, and we have zombies and vampires, so they explore that. Criminal has a magical slime to himself. We have a rival group coming into the fray, and they also explored uh, a women relationship joint. That's not terrible. And Bina Banana. I don't know. Bina Banana sounds is a very interesting name. So, overall, this is an interesting particular episode. And Magic Metropolis. Who knows where to write them in Magic Metropolis. So, episode 10. Let your eyes behold the glory and mystery of a brothel with a perfect score. Take a newly wed or, or a tutor or a little piggy as your lover. They'll squeeze, squeeze, squeeze it out of you. Infinite pleasure of a satisfying three-day excursion. True happiness awaits. Uh, Magic Petropolis actually has a perfect score. So, what lies at Magic Magic Petropolis, the world may never know until you review it. So, reviewers arrive in Magic Petropolis where the money allows each of them to spend three days doing what they want with a decoy based on the Archmage Demena. As the reviewers find the benefits of their experience go beyond just the usual service, the real Demena takes a particular interest in Crimson's unique properties. After the three days and the decoys discover, disappear, the reviewers give the Magic Metropolis a perfect score and have centaur porters deliver the reviews across the land. Back home, a mysterious man arrives at the ale and eats. So, Magic Metropolis, a decoy doll. So yeah, we have a decoy doll used to measure stimulus. And overall, give you what you want. So it makes sense why it's a perfect score. It's kind of funny, though. You know, the more intimate you get, kind of gets kind of up there. To be honest, that doesn't happen very much. I think virtual reality might be the closest to it. So, episode 10 is pretty interesting with Magic Petropolis, but we go to episode 11. The frankly faultless philanthropist sexually satisfies several succubi. Drunken fools and their money are, of course, soon parted 
Masseuse Room comes into a close. So, so we have an incubus takes offense to reviewers' negative reviews, take it upon himself to review these establishments himself and give them all perfect scores. Although his bragging is cut short when a vengeful lover stabs him. So after an arrangement with the Portal Guild and the rival reviewers pay him huge dividends, the game get drunk and go to a leprechaun establishment for sucky pie girls on top of more alcohol. Come morning, however, they find themselves have blown all their money on the joint and other sucky pie girls with the reviews being too drunkly written to make it back, forcing them to take on proper adventure requests to get their fortune back. <laughs> Oh, boy. Where do I even start on this one? Incubus is, I think, the male version of Succubi. Of course the Incubus is going to say all perfect scores. Because he's the male version of a Succubus. Literally the creature that wants satisfaction like that. So he derives himself of satisfaction. Of course he's going to seek it out with the other reviewers. But. A love ex-lover comes in the fray. And moons it for him. So it gets it kind of interesting. But the leprechaun getting drunk. You get so drunk. And you paid so much money at that joint. You're broke. So you literally have to go on an adventure. Which they are adventurers. But they usually. Uh, pay for the brothel itself. And then make money off the review. So to get the money back, they have to go on an adventure because they all broke when their, their brothel is done. So, yes, when you get alcohol in the mix, be very careful because alcohol affects your judgment. You can be like them, have no money by the end of the night. So don't be broke and give all your money to the bar. Don't even give your money to the bar except for maybe one or two times. That's it. Just go from there. That's MC's advice to you about alcohol and too much of it being bad for you. So that's episode 11. So episode 12, the final episode. Um, farewell, beloved fans of our beloved reviewers. Will we not? As long as sucky by girls keep working hard, so too will our reviewers. When you think of our heroes, remember this. When you help others, get them on. You're only helping yourself. Get yours on. So. Here we go. The synopsis of episode 12. The reviewers finally visit the demon brothel they were originally supposed to review during the election. They're given special treatment to the to the nature of how demons abide by contracts. Meanwhile, Demima meets up with the demon lord, Death Abyss, discovering, discussing what things are like in a world without magic. So as the new year arrives, the reviewers find their favorite joints already booked. The fairy brothel introduces them to a dream eater brothel, where they was revisit their choice of succubi gills in the inside the dreams. So they finally visit the demon brothel that they were proposed to visit on the election. They didn't visit for the simple fact that they got distracted by a minotaur. 
So, at the time, a Minotaur was more appealing than a demon. Wow. Wouldn't I think a demon be more appealing than a Minotaur? That just... That's just... Whatever. That is what it is. But, I do like how they kind of go with the demon. Abating by contracts. You know, you, you sign your life away to the devil... You have a contract, and you have to abide by that contract. Well, to be in the brothel business with a demon, you're going to have to sign the contract and set up what you're going to do. So you abide by the contract to do a professional business. That's pretty good. I mean, they get protected by law, and they get protected by, you know, you signing your name to the contract, so you have to follow it, you know. Favorite joints already booked. The fairy brothel introduces them to a dream eater brothel. So yeah. Here we go. You just go to sleep. And the dream eater brothel just hacks away at you in your dreams. Oh boy. You can't get more satisfying what the reviewers have done. So that's an exploit of the adventures that have gone. I would say Interspecies Reviewers is a very interesting anime. The reason why I did this appeal with the episodes, because reading out the episodes is not usually something I would do, but the simple fact that it's only 12 episodes, and, you know, I'm very limited what I can say about this series for the simple fact of how controversial it is. So it goes to show you that Funimation banned it for a reason. Um, it's it has its appeal. It does score a 10, uh, an 8 out of 10 for me. Not because of the uh, etchy genre, but mostly of the interesting plot development within the show. The comedy's golden. Like, when it hits, it actually delivers. I really like, you know, this fantasy-type what-if situation of different species being available for your different appetite of partners or one-night stands. That is not necessarily something you always see in anime, but animes always expect the unexpected. So that's why I like about anime. Anime, you have typical shows that like really can be really messed up, really cool, really interesting. You get all of the spectrum. You get the lowest to the high and the most exciting to the least appetizing. So keep this in mind, when you watch Interspecies Reviewers, you can see the content for yourself, what it is, borderline hentai, that's as much as I can say it without going to the explicit genre. Because of the simple fact Interspecies Reviewers is that, is why I portrayed this episode as the anime discussion. So yeah. I discussed the controversial animation, the synopsis of the show, and each 12 individual synopsis and which adventures they go on and give my opinion after reading it. So 
it was like a live reaction. It was kind of cool to revisit uh, Interspecies Reviewers because I really thoroughly enjoyed the show when I watched it. It was really funny, really exciting to see. You know, it, it, you know the fan service was just everywhere. But, but, it, it did on 8 out of 10 for various other plots other than fan service. And yes, it was exploring fan service. That was sure what the goal was of the show at the time. But, keep in mind, those other anime like this. So, you know, this is what I call a guilty pleasure. If you really want to see it, then... You know exactly what it is. I would say if you want to see it, it's up to you. I didn't describe everything that happens because of the simple fact that it gives too much spoilers. There's only 12 episodes. So you really need to see it to actually get a feel for it. Watch a couple episodes. See if you actually like it. It is a very borderline guilty pleasure anime. So be on the look when you when it comes to that. If you don't like stuff like that, it might not be for you. But if you are into the guilty pleasure etchy genre, go ahead. This might be entertaining for you. And you know, if a particular reason is to have a guilty pleasure that gets you into this content, hey, I can't stop you. That should totally up to you. So just know ahead of time that when you watch it, be open-minded. You might like it. You might not. It's it's really that flip of a coin with interspecies reviews because of how controversial it is. So this concludes of this particular episode of MC Anime Podcast. And if you haven't already, you can follow us, MC Anime Podcast. On all major platforms of podcasting, social media, and Patreon. Uh, We're currently on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and other major podcast platforms. We're also on Twitter at Mason Kalon. That's the uh, social media handle. Um... And blog MC Anime on Facebook. Instagram is just Instagram. It's not really have a social media handle. And if you have not be a Patreon member, please go to the Patreon. It's crowdfunding to support uh MC Anime podcast. You know, keep the the pay the lights every month. That's really good. Give me some support. If you find that you want to be in one of those tiers. You know, $1 is all you really need to do. But, yeah, that's on Blog MC Anime and Patreon. And thank you so much. This concludes this the episode of Interspecies Reviewers Anime Discussion. I hope to see you guys again. And hopefully I kept it PG-13. Uh, that was my goal for this particular episode. So just be aware that it was PG-13 and not actually like... The MA rating that owns the explicit content flag. So thank you. Enjoy.